Hi, I'm James P. Friel. And I'm Dean Holland. It's time to fasten your seatbelts, boys and girls. That's right. If you're an entrepreneur who's wanting to take your business to the next level and have a bit of fun while getting cutting edge advice on your business, marketing, and sales, welcome to Just the Tips, arguably the best podcast in the entire world. I guess that's good, right? Yeah, sounds good to me. All right. That was easy. That was the easiest thing we did all day. Yeah. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Just the Tips. This is your host, James P. Friel. I'm thrilled that you guys are here with us today. We've got a really cool show lined up for you that is something you'll be able to apply no matter what kind of business you run or who you sell to. And the stuff that we're going to talk about today is so fundamental that you're definitely going to get some gold nuggets or, dare I say, tips. Well, as you guys know, I have an amazing co host on this show. He is the one, the only, the bearded wonder from the United Kingdom. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Dean Holland. How are you doing, James? Great to be here again. <laughs> I'm good. You know what? One of these days, like you need to announce me. I'm, I'm getting tired of this. I feel like I'm just here to make you sound good. Yeah, I kind of like it. Like, I, I wish you'd yeah. just call me up every day and just make me feel better. We should make that like the ringtone you put on your phone as your alarm. Ladies and gentlemen, Dean Holland, <laughs> just like the trumpet <laughs> and everything. I like the sound of this. I like where this is heading. In fact, I think all the listeners should just have that as their ringtone. We'll get that as a download soon for everybody. But in the meantime, we have a really awesome guest here today. Aaron, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, guys. That was a hell of an intro. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. <laughs> so Dean always rides into the studio on a horse, so I kind of know how to do his intro, and I didn't see you on a horse, so... <laughs> no, I, I just I liked your own intro for Dean, so that was fantastic. <laughs> Good. I get the feeling Aaron's already like, what is happening here? What have I let myself in for? Yeah, he's like, I didn't carefully evaluate being on this podcast. <laughs> no, you know what I did? I did base my decisions solely on the fact that you guys have the most fantastic name of a podcast I've ever heard, and it kills me that I didn't come up with it first. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take it. In fact, we had somebody on the show. This was one of the funniest things so far about the name of the show. We had somebody on the show, super sweet person. I'm not going to say who it is. And after we release the episode, we always do social posts and promo and stuff like that. And she posted it on her Facebook timeline. And then somebody commented and they were like, hey, you know, that's sort of like a double entendre, right? And she's like, what? Oh my gosh, I wonder if they know. And so she, <laughs> and so she sent me the sweetest message I think I've ever gotten. She's like, hey, I really just wanted you to know, just in case you didn't already, your show is like double entendre. And somebody said it's a dirty joke. And I was just like, okay. <laughs> Oh, uh, you should have just played it down. You should have been like, what? No, that can't be right. Yeah. <laughs> Completely missed opportunity. Aaron, let's get into some cool stuff. So you're running a global agency for medium-sized companies and enterprise and up. And I feel like when you get to play with budgets and companies of that scale, you find out what's working, what's not working and things like that. And one of the things that I know you and your company has a background in and really understanding psychological sales and what causes people to buy and things like that. I definitely want to talk about that. But before we get into that, how did you even get into the agency world and online marketing and like everything like that? Was this what you've always done or was there something else that came first? Yeah, it's definitely not what we've always done. I was actually, I had a background in IT, building big networks and I could do it and I hated it. 
but I it was probably well it's 12 years ago now my partner at the time now my wife and I were doing an extended vacation in Thailand and were sitting there working out how we could just do that for because we loved it there and the whole idea of you know, how do we earn a strong currency and live on a cheap currency and, and live like kings and do the whole geo arbitrage play? And so, you know, we sat there thinking, all right, well, there's got to be a way that, that makes that happen. We jumped online, did some research, and it was at the time where there was everyone saying they were making loads of money online and everyone not believing it and mostly thinking people were making money selling courses on how to make money online and that was about it. And so we thought we'd give it a shot. We, we try and piece it all together. So moved back from there to Sydney, where we're originally from, spent four months, day and night, trying to work out what online marketing was and how to make some sort of money online. It, it took us four months and we made 40 cents. Um, that was it. Not rolling in it. Yeah. Yeah, well. The exciting thing was that what we knew then is, is what we know today and that the internet can be you know, almost infinitely scalable and can be highly automated. And so we took that 40 cents that day and turned it into $400 the next day and then continued to scale day after day. And that was initially in affiliate marketing, driving traffic to other people's websites and taking commissions. Oh, that's awesome. I started the same way. Yeah, we did that for years as well. So we traveled around the world doing that and making some really good money. And that was when, you know, friends and family started saying, well, hang on, if, if you can do that for other people's websites, surely you can consult with me and do it for my business. And so then the, the agency side started and we progressed from doing small business all the way through to some of the biggest companies in the world. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, very good. Yeah, I love that still to this day is still a path that I recommend to people, you know, starting out. So it's uh, super interesting to hear that that's what you did as well. Yeah, and it was, uh, you know, largely because we didn't know what to do. I didn't have my own product. I didn't have my own business, didn't right. have my own website. And it, really, we were trying to do a proof of concept. And it, it came down to how do we choose what we're going to promote? And second to that, how are we promoting it? Because, you know, we heard social media was really kicking off and we didn't have money for ads. And then there was SEO. And the reason that we went down the SEO path was because we didn't have money, but we had plenty of time. And I liked the competitive aspect of having to beat someone to those top positions. Yeah, We ended up doing that. And that was that formed the basis of everything we've done and everything we do today. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And I always don't know what you think about this, but I always equate in business, it's just different skills that you learn. So like, I don't know if you found this yourself, but you know, starting with the affiliate marketing path, you've learned how to market products. You know, I see a lot of people, they have great products, but they don't even know yet how to market them. You know, so I always think that's a perfect path. So yeah, interesting. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Are you guys done with your affiliate marketer veteran love fest? <laughs> James, feel free to come on, come on and get involved. We're only scratching the surface here. We haven't talked about campaigns and angles and anything like that. I think you should actually. I don't think I knew that about your background, but one of the two episodes that we recorded not that long ago were all about diving deep into affiliate marketing and stuff like that because we had some people who were really interested in that. Dean, maybe we should take it in that direction as well as the psychology of sales. Because when I started out, I was so confused. Like you said, Aaron, you know, when you began, you know. Well, you you're still confused. So there's there's certain things yeah, that haven't confused. changed. I, <laughs> I'm confused about life, not necessarily business, just life. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like I just said there, like I just equate everything now to skills. Like it, it's just a series of skills that you learn. And I think there's no better skill really than that of being able to market and sell products. Yeah. You know, I think it's probably more important than the product creation side of things itself, because 
no point having a great product if you can't sell I it, right? I couldn't agree more. If you know how to do marketing, you can pretty much make any business successful. You fill that top of funnel and it doesn't matter that the operations can be stuck together afterwards, but that crucial bit is filling that funnel and doing the marketing. And that's exactly how we learned everything that we've done and we got to do it on other people's products and without having to go through that whole process of ideation and market yeah. testing and everything else. Yeah, no, that's perfect. Yeah, anyway, James, sorry, I uh, grabbed a hold of it there for a good time. <laughs> sorry, James. You did. No reason to apologize. Honestly, Aaron, this is the first time Dean's talked on the podcast, like, <laughs> in God knows how long. I'm grateful to be given my back arrest. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let us talk about selling online. Like, what does it take to understand the people's buying triggers and what they actually want? Because you're both on exactly spot on. It doesn't even matter what product you have. What matters is how you market it, position and sell it. Yeah. And for me, it's really about trying to understand the the pain points that these people have and what they're out there searching for, the questions that they're asking, the problems that they're having and making sure that we're answering that through valuable content the whole way through so that you know, we've got the right calls to actions at the right time. We're speaking to them in a way that's pushing them down the funnel, but it's actually because it's providing them value in the first place, you know, treating them like a human and not just a bit of data online that's clicking through. Can you give an example of the valuable content that you're talking about and like how you guys have done something like that? Yeah. Um, you know, it's not individual pieces of content. It really plays into a full content strategy that we build out for clients where we're understanding each stage of that funnel, you know, the awareness, decision making and, and so on. And we're building out content that speaks to the problems and where they are in those funnels. And it's not single pieces of content. I'm talking full editorial content through blogs that might happen over the space of a year. And we look at making sure that we've got enough content for each stage of that funnel, answering every question we can think of in those different stages and making that piece of content better than anyone else has got out there at the time. For us, it makes sure that the whole journey that they're experiencing is a valuable one in the first place and is not disjointed. And that's really key. So how do you guys break the sections of the funnel up? You started with awareness. What's your methodology for that? Good question, James. (laughs) Thank you, Dean. The awareness, we actually play a lot in that awareness space and it's largely because the kind of content that we write as an external agency for clients is typically that top of funnel where we're able to write about the industry and not necessarily about a specific product or service that a company may be offering so we we can talk about the industry questions people having problems they're having and we're able to craft really good pieces of content that are socially shareable that and naturally people want to link to. That's something we both have to do in high volumes and can do as an external agency that's not necessarily an expert in their specific product. So I think we, we actually spend a large majority of time doing that content. Probably 80% of the, the content we're creating fits in that section. In the awareness section. Yeah, yeah. Because what we find is that there's lower volumes needed for further down the funnel. And right. that is typically done in collaboration with the company as well. Because the minute they're talking about features and whatever else of their product or service, then we really need them to be to be filling a lot of that in. So our job is mostly around that top of funnel. So how do you guys figure out what types of things to write about in terms of like, well, okay, cool. So it's at the top of the funnel. It's awareness. It's more about you know the needs and the pains and the wants and stuff like that. How are you sort of reverse engineering 
those things that you want, the content that you want to create? In a really basic content strategy, and I think many people overthink this, but we even do this for those massive companies where we've got tools that we've developed that will pull in in real time off different websites around the web, like question and answer sites, questions being asked and problems that people are having that are related to specific keywords. So we're pulling them into our tools on a daily basis. And once we're seeing um, patterns that are emerging of the same kind of question or variations of that one question being asked again and again, we add that to the queue of content that we're going to start building out, knowing that we're answering questions and solving problems. Once you do that, you're always going to have a hungry audience behind the content being created. And that's just a simple content strategy that works. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you have an example of what like a super high level question might be that you guys would then take and answer with the content? Often it'll be something like I'm trying to think of one off the top of my head, but you know, talking about a specific oh, I put you on the spot there, didn't he, Aaron? It was, it was. It was definitely unfair, but I I'm trying to get some tips, Dean. <laughs> it's it's often that I, I'll <laughs> see multiple people asking, say for an insurance company, they're asking what is home and contents insurance or what is contents insurance, how to get contents insurance, how much is contents insurance. You start going, Mm -hmm. okay, we need a big pillar piece of content that answers all these pieces around home and contents insurance. It's as simple as that. And I'm not just saying that you build out a blog post that just says question and answer. It's making sure that it's a proper sort of two, 3,000 plus word post that really gets into the detail of it all, answers those questions, but not in the form of an FAQ or anything like that. Yeah. Just to complete this piece, like, so I'm clear on it in my head, this like foundation piece of content that you're talking about here, is this not just the sort of educational piece of content and informational, is it actually leading to a call to action to move people to that next step? Or are you more so looking at a larger process here where you might be building an audience of people that land on the page and see the content to be able to like retarget them and follow up or like how did that piece everything that you just said it it could be any of them depending on the goal of that particular piece so we look at it from that level and just say yeah some of the time the whole goal is that we want that piece that the conversion metric for that piece is that we're getting them to opt into an email database and it's a really low conversion but that's what some of the companies are after or sometimes it's pushing them to read another post which is got a strong call to action in it yeah it it really varies right you you will actually have a specified outcome for every piece of content right i get you oh super cool how effectively does this move people to the next phase like because it's obviously and in any funnel there's conversion rates from one stage to the next is it these people kind of get you know they see four or five content pieces and then they take action have you guys kind of gotten any insight around those numbers I'd love to give you clear numbers, but obviously every website, every industry, everything's different. What we find though is it's also not a linear path where it's X amount of content pieces that are all editorial. Like was mentioned before, we'll find that this is bringing them in. We'll pixel them so that we can advertise to them. We've got them to opt into the email list. So they're going to get an email and they may see two or three ads on Facebook and you know, it ends up being sort of six or seven touch points before we get them to take the desired action on average, but it's also from many different channels. That multi-channel approach is is where the effectiveness comes in and the, and the really good results. Right. Yeah, that makes total yeah, sense. Like everything's awesome. working together, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. Our job and part of the reason that we like working with medium to enterprise clients is because 
when you've got a multi-channel marketing budget, every channel is helping the other one automatically. And the synergies really amplify those results. When you're looking at small business who just come in and say, I have a budget for SEO, you know that that's their entire marketing budget. There's nothing helping it out. And it, they live or die based on the results of that. And many of them are not patient enough to wait for the period of time it takes for SEO and content marketing to actually deliver results. And I'm interested, like, why do you think that is with a smaller business? Do you think that they're not yet aware of the entire opportunity of things that are available to them? Or do you think they just don't have the Largely budget? budget? I find small business are quite easy to be able to direct and guide in the right ways. But it largely comes down to, okay, well, sorry, I had 4000 a month as my total budget. And there's just not enough to split into different channels to make any meaningful results. Not when you're using an agency, right? If you if you had your own $4,000 budget, you could do it yourself and you had all the knowledge and you wanted to go for it, then sure, it's a bit different. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Are you a fan of email marketing? I, I think am, you I'm are, I'm a right? fan of pretty much every marketing. <laughs> <laughs> but I think one of the things that I'd heard you say was that you believed email marketing as like the highest ROI of a marketing yeah, channel. Yeah, it's definitely something that we've seen um, still today that... The ROI from email has been much higher than many other channels that we've seen, even organic search. That surely can't be true because email marketing's dead, right? <laughs> it's dead. <laughs> say, pretty sure they said SEO's dead as well a thousand times. There we go. Yeah. So how do you guys do email marketing? For our own agency? Or for your clients or like... We don't do it as a service for clients other than to guide the content strategy that they use. We don't do publishing of it. We don't sort of measure it or anything like that. We love to have a voice when it comes to the approach they're going to take and how it ties in with what's happening with the rest of the content strategy and, and the whole plan. But we don't actually do it for clients as a service. Right. Okay. I guess what I had heard was must have been what you guys are doing for yourself or something around this. Yeah, well, it's more that it's what we see. We, you know, we have access to analytics for all of these companies that we're working with. And when we're doing detailed reporting on the success of different channels, the email marketing is typically right up there as one of the highest converting channels. You know, they've opted in, they've chosen to receive those emails. They've specifically given up their email address. So yeah, they've asked, that's permission marketing, right? And they've asked to receive that content. It's the loyal tribe for that company and they seem to get some great results. Yeah, awesome. I guess email is still not dead, Dean. Right, yeah, still not dead. Good job we're still hanging on to it then and not listening <laughs> to everything you read online. Yeah, because not everything online is true. <laughs> what? What? I read that online, so I don't, you know, I don't know. You have to take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> Awesome. So what's like cutting edge that you guys are seeing right now? You are working with bigger budgets and bigger companies and stuff like that. What things that may be new that you guys are employing that you're seeing like really good I results? I want to with? excite you by saying there's some crazy new technology or something out there. But what I'm finding is it comes down to the same fundamentals that, you know, the same fundamental platforms that have worked for so long that these big companies are still playing in. And any sort of experimental stuff they're doing is really such a tiny little amount of budget that it's not even that exciting. You know, I've seen massive companies going into native ads and I've seen big messenger campaigns and whatnot, but really 99% of the budget still sticks with organic, you know, you paid Facebook and Google ads and email marketing. It's a boring answer. I'm sorry. <laughs> 
No, I actually love the answer because I'm kind of the same. Like it always feels a bit dull. Like I've just been recently writing a book myself and I feel like I'm saying the same things that I was saying like eight plus years ago. And I think a lot of times when customers or prospects are looking at you, they are always looking for like the question James just asked, what's the latest, greatest thing? Like what's the new thing that you're seeing? And like when I look at it myself, yeah, there's additional things that we probably do today that we didn't used to do. Like you just said, chat bots and things like this that we've, you know, that we've played with, but the fundamentals are still the same. It's still actually the same stuff. You know, the bulk of our business comes from doing the same things we were doing eight, yeah. 10 years ago. It's not really changed. It does feel a bit dull, but I'm sure 10 years before I was getting into it, it was still the same. <laughs> yeah, the channels and the platforms come and go. And still, how do you approach it? How do you get success? It's by making sure that you're providing value to humans and understanding that you know, those human goals and the human thoughts and actions, because they are what will stay the same. Uh, and as long as you're catering to that, then the channels don't really matter. Yeah, so true. You can never be too good at the fundamentals. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, look, I, I hear you about the writing the book thing. And once you get to the end of it and you're through the editing stage, I don't know how far along you are, but I got so sick of reading my own book again and again and again. It must have been about 30 times. And yeah. and so, yeah, I, I got to points where I'm thinking I'm saying the same thing on different channels, provide value and think about humans and, and how to give them what they want first rather than what the platform can do. Yeah, definitely. I always think the funny thing as well, like we'll have a lot of customers and they'll discredit things and not pay attention because they're like, oh, there's nothing new here. And you're like, there's nothing new I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but it still works. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, so like I tell you, like a big thing that's kind of jumping out to me in the conversation is how it, it comes across to me anyway. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you sort of meticulously plan out the entire strategy, the entire approach from beginning to end. And I think that's quite as much as that should be probably how everyone operates. I always think. People, a lot of times in business, they'll focus on one area and they'll plan out one area. Would I be right in picking up on that, Aaron, that you guys look at the whole thing and you plan how it's all going to work together and then you build that thing? Is it, Am I on track with that? Or That's our goal. As much as we can, we do that. When we're sort of saying mapping it all out, it's also not that we're necessarily mapping out every content piece from the beginning. Right. We're providing both the client and ourselves a working environment where we have the structure to be able to easily come up with those ideas as they are needed and know where they're going to fit within that structure. And what I mean by that is that initial content strategy covers everything from tone and style and voice to content length and structure, aligning with business objectives, competitive analysis, core and secondary messaging. And then there's all the idea generation and stages of the funnels, the user journeys, the buyer personas. And then there's the editorial planning and scheduling. So th- there's a lot that sort of gets put into it. That's not to say that right. we know every piece is going to be written from day one. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I was going to say, I can understand the approach of planning it all, but it sounds quite intense <laughs> or overwhelming would be probably a better word. Yeah. Yeah. That's why that framework keeps it in check and the ideation happens on a regular basis and just plugs into the right areas. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, James. Haven't tables turned? Look how much I've spoken today. <laughs> I know, I know. It's amazing. Thank you. <laughs> Aaron, you mentioned uh, in passing your book. Can we talk about that for a few minutes? Yeah, sure. So faster, smarter, louder. Tell us a little bit about it. The, the whole idea of the book is that I feel like it's what a lot of people do with their first book is it was us saying, well, what would we do to shortcut 
what we've been doing over the last 12 years if we had to start again and what were the things that made big leaps for us and for our clients in business and what were the high impact things and and so really distilling that down throughout that whole book and so that you know people getting into the industry not just the marketing industry but being in marketing in another company or whatever it was would have our shortcuts there it took a couple of years to get together. It's hard to get a book together, but really valuable as a bucket list item for us. And it's already achieved some really good results within the first three days of launching. We hit bestseller in a number of very top categories in Amazon. So it's quite happy with that. Nice. Congratulations. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, that's really cool. Who would the right reader for that book be? So it'd be anyone in marketing from small business, even to CMOs of larger companies, understanding the sort of journey as to how we onboard and, and deal with customers, how we sell to them, how we delight them and keep them on board and the process that we do, that we've done all the way through. It's anyone interested in, in understanding another perspective on how to stick it all together and one that's been successful for us. Yeah, that's awesome. Very cool. And uh, people can find that book on Amazon, right? They can, yes. It's definitely. Yeah. Nice. So faster, smarter, louder. Master attention in a noisy digital market. I think that's awesome. Yeah, that is good. Dean, anything that you want to talk about before we wrap up today? No, like I say, it's been awesome to hear the perspective of, like I say, to me, it really came across how you guys plan this entire strategy from the beginning of people's journey. I think a lot of businesses, mine included, you know, we focus a lot more on the spectrum of people that are already very much aware and seeking a solution. They're aware the products are there, whereas you guys, you know, it's great to have spoke to someone that's got a strategy there in place for companies from the very beginning when people are first starting to try and find out if there's even something that exists out there. So yeah, it's been awesome. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Happy to, to share what we have, have gone through and the approach that we use and that a lot of these big companies use. So yeah, thank you. Very cool. Yeah, no, I'd second that. I think, you know, just the fact that so much of your guys' time is spent really high in the awareness stage, I think should say something, right? From how you describe, you guys are getting questions and coming up with valuable content and all that stuff. I think that's definitely something that everybody can take as a strategy and implement in their own business. So really appreciate you being here, Aaron. And for those of you guys who are interested, make sure you go over to Amazon, check out his book, Faster, Smarter, Louder, or visit him at louder.online. Thank you guys for tuning in. This is James P. Friel, and we will talk with you guys next time. Later, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Just the Tips, where we believe business should be profitable and fun. For show notes, links, and other information on our guests, visit justthetipsshow.com. For more information on how to connect with Dean Holland, visit deanholland.com. And if you'd like to go from being a hustling entrepreneur to an effective CEO, capable of running your company without being stuck in the day-to-day, visit me for free training and resources at jamespfreel.com. Our theme music is Happy Happy Game Show by Kevin McLeod. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License.